0: Well, we've been in a, in a series here around Jesus, and it might seem a little strange how I'm starting off, but buckle in, hang in there, and, and you'll see where it's all going. Water. Uh, that's an. I actually took that picture. Yeah, it was. Uh, that was during my sabbatical when one of the state uh, national parks we were hiking in, and uh, I could have sat in there all day long, and reflected. Uh, read my, my Bible, reflected, and, and listened to the Lord, but uh, water. It's a compound made up of three parts, right? For all of you uh, chemistry folks, or if you remember those days back in high school, uh, two parts hydrogen, one part oxygen, right? H2O. Water also exists in three forms. It's a gas, it can be a solid, it can be a liquid, Water is necessary for every living thing on Earth to exist. If you don't have water, you will cease to exist. Whether whether you're a single cell organism, whether you're a plant, whether you're an animal, whether you're human, it's necessary compound for human or any life to exist or flourish. They say the human body can go three to four days, depending, uh, without water before the body shuts down and begins to. Decompose and die. So uh, water is uh, important stuff. I'm going to ask you here, have you ever f- been dehydrated? hmm The thought of it makes me want to take a sip of water. Uh, according to WebMD, uh, the, the symptoms of de- mild symptoms... Uh, I'm sorry, let me say that again. The symptoms of mild dehydration are thirsty, dry or sticky mouth, dark yellow or not enough pee. Uh, Talked about pee in church, that's crazy. Uh, headache or muscle cramps, right? I, I know for me, I enjoy hiking and I have experienced every single one of those symptoms at some point while hiking. Uh, and they're just that, they're symptoms, they alert me, hey, you're dehydrated, buddy, um, have you ever experienced any of these, these symptoms? Yeah. Yeah. Uh, in fact, you know, my wife is on this kick that if I wake up in the morning and I have a headache, she says, have you drunk enough water? Um, if I have a muscle cramp, she's like, oh, you're not drinking enough water. Like, everything headache or muscle cramp related is because I haven't drinking enough water. Um, I don't know if it's true or not, but, but she's a master at WebMD. So... <laughs> And she's back there laughing because she knows it's true. (laughs) When you get to severe dehydration, you have these symptoms. You're not peeing. Very dry skin or sunken eyes. A rapid heartbeat and or rapid breathing. Sleepiness. Lack of energy. Confusion. Irritability. Now, I don't want any of you to go home and be like, when someone's irritable, just say, me, you need to drink enough water, because that's, that's kind of like equating to saying, hey, man, you need a Snickers bar when you're, not, when you're not happy, because that could go really bad or really wrong, ask my boys. Um, all this to say that water's important stuff. It's extremely important stuff. Now, with these symptoms in mind, let's read Exodus chapter 17, verses 1 through 3. The Israelites have been uh, taken, uh, led out of captivity, out of Egypt, and they're wandering through the wilderness on their way to the promised land. And in chapter 17, verse 1, it says this, The whole Israelite community set out from the desert of sin, traveling from place to place as the Lord commanded. They camped up at Rephidim, but there was no water for the people to drink. So they quarreled with Moses and said, Give us water to drink. Moses replied, why do you quarrel with me? Why do you put the Lord to the test? But the people were thirsty for water there, and they grumbled against Moses. They said, why did you bring us up out of Egypt to make us and our children and livestock die of thirst? Now, I've read that before and gone, man, they're so dramatic. Come on. Like, really? A bunch of babies? Like... But you think about it. If water is so necessary for our survival that we can last three to four days without it, and they're traveling around through the desert and the wilderness, and they're finding no water, and if you, as a, uh, a pet owner, is noticing the symptoms of your pets or your animals because they lack hydration, if you're a parent and you're seeing your children suffer from the effects of dehydration, you're going to begin to wonder, what the heck is going on here? I'm going to die. I'm out here in the middle of the desert. I I can see no water. I can see no streams. I can see nothing. What is going on? And then you begin to see how they respond and you begin to wonder based on their irritability, based on the fact that they're forgetful that God just brought them with mighty strength and mighty power out of the land and provided for them in dramatic ways by rescuing them from Egypt, by parting the Red Sea. They're confused. They've completely forgotten all of that. One can argue that they are suffering from mild or severe dehydration. Now, what I find uh, interesting is that we know that water is a very real need for our life. Like, we can't, life cannot exist without it. And here the Israelites have legitimate concern there's dehydration happening in camp and there's no source around. And, and, and they begin to, it's a real need that they have, that they're expressing. It's not, a, it's not like, hey, like some other places were like, oh, if we only had onions for dinner tonight and they're mad at Moses. Like, this is, this is a real need. In the midst of this, just because we have real need is not an excuse to no longer trust God. And that's the lesson learned here that is a little rabbit trail, it's kind of free for today, is that we have very real needs sometimes and sometimes those very real needs can, can uh, encourage us to take matters into our own hands. And God says, no, 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 I know it's a real need. That's not an excuse to stop trusting me. Which is the lesson learned here with the Israelites? Let's move on, though. But how how Im, we all know, based on the scripture, based on personal experience, based on lots of things, the importance that water is to life. Uh, we know the symptoms. We also know the consequences if you avo- if you ignore those symptoms and you continue to go without water if you don't drink it regularly. So. Uh, I gotta... I'm got. i sorry. The sticky mouth is like I'm talking about water. and Anyway. A few of the Old Testament writers um, begin to draw comparisons with this need for water and, and these symptoms uh, that we have when we don't have water. One of those is, is David, who was a uh, shepherd, uh, made king of Egypt, Uh, not Egypt, sorry, Israel, and really is known uh, for him and his son being the greatest kings that ever ruled Israel uh, other than than God. And so look at David's writings, Psalm chapter 42 in verse 1. He says this, As the deer pants for streams of water, so my soul pants for you, my God. My soul thirsts for God, for the living God, where can I go and meet with God? So he says, hey, as the deer, as the animal is panting, as searching, is thirsty for water and is searching for this source to help replenish them, so he just, he, my soul is the same way, that my soul can become parched, and, I, and the only place I find refreshment is in God. So he begins to make this comparison, thirst for water... Thirst for God. Again, Psalm chapter 63, verse 1. You, God, are my God. Earnestly I seek you. I thirst for you. My whole being longs for you in a dry and parched land where there is no water. Now, most of you raise your hand and says, I know what it feels like to be dehydrated. When when you're in that moment of dehydration, what do you think about? Like, like water. Like, I just need to drink a water. There are times I've hiked and water sources have dried up, and, and 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 I've got like three sips, and I know I have several miles left to go. And man, you just those symptoms start coming. You know, the head starts pounding. You get some muscle cramps, and you're like, if I don't find water soon, like everything about me begins to focus on my need for water. And this is what David is writing. Like, hey, just like being in that circumstance, which they were much uh, more experienced in those kinds of circumstances because we live in a time where we can just carry bottles of water, uh, we, we drill wells. I mean, these are folks who traveled on camels or walked long distances and might run out of water and experience this. So he's saying, look, man, just as if I'm in a dry land with no water and my my body is parched, so my body longs for you, God. So he's drawn this connection between this. He recognizes that when he's far from God, he suffers. His soul has symptoms and suffers from then when he's close to God. He thirsts for God, which is a symptom of of dehydration. Then Isaiah chapter 55, Isaiah's uh, prophesying, and he, he writes this. He says, Come, we, I think we sang this this morning, and I don't even know if Pastor Sean knew this was a scripture I was using, but come, all you who are thirsty, come to the waters, and you who have no money, come, buy, and eat come buy wine and milk without money and without cost. Now, the prophet here is not writing about physical water. He's not writing about physical uh, wine or milk. He's talking about a spiritual component to Israel. He says, come all you who are thirsty. And he's saying, hey, that longing for God, where you're longing for something different, where you're Realize that your soul is not at rest. Internally you're churning. The prophet's saying, Israel, come, come to the Lord, come to God. So there's this comparison again of thirst and the Lord. That just as water is necessary for physical life, God is necessary for spiritual and eternal life. It's the comparison that we see written about and spoken about In the Old Testament, really the whole Bible, but the Old Testament leads us up to this. And we see this theme that just as humans need this water, humans need God. They are dependent on Him. And if they don't have Him, something uh, happens inside. Something dries up, something shrivels up, something dies. And even though that might take a longer period of time than three or four days without physical water, that eventually their lack of God ends in death, a spiritual eternal death. This very uh, natural understanding of the body's need for water uh, gives us an example and allows us to understand a spiritual unseen reality that we have a need for God. And I want to tell you that if you read your Bible <clears throat> excuse me, through that lens that God gives us natural things so that we can understand spiritual things, you'll be amazed at how many things uh, in this world lead us to understand, which is why Paul wrote in Romans 1.20, God's invisible qualities are seen in the created so that man is without excuse. It's amazing. So this, this helps us understand this spiritual reality. Now, enter Jesus. I told you we're talking about Jesus. We're in a theme of Jesus, and this is building up uh, to Jesus. In John chapter 3, verse 16 and 17, it's one of our, really our favorite portions of Scripture as Christians. Probably the first one you learned to memorize when you were a kid. For God so loved the world that he gave his one and only Son, that whoever believes in him shall not perish, but have eternal life. For God did not send his Son into the world to condemn the world, but to save the world through him. So we know that God sent Jesus to save the world and give them eternal life. Now, what we see next we're going to read is some very interesting things that Jesus says about himself. In Matthew chapter 11, verses 28 through 29, he says this, Come to me, all you who are weary and burdened, and I will give you rest. Take my yoke upon you and learn from me, for I am gentle and humble in heart, and you will find rest for your soul. So Jesus says, listen, if your soul is at unrest, come to me and you'll find rest. In John chapter 4, verses uh, 13 and 14, he's at the the well with the Samaritan woman and they're having this conversation. He asks for a drink Um, and, and Jesus responds to her and says this, everyone who drinks this water from the well will be thirsty again, but whoever drinks the water I give them will never thirst Indeed, the water I give them will become in them a spring of water welling up to eternal life. Now, I gotta imagine if you've never heard of Jesus and, and you're just going to your water source and he says, listen, uh, I can give you water that you can drink once and never have to drink again and you'll never be thirsty again. I mean, that sounds like an American innovation, right? Like, one time, dose, and never have to do it again, right? And she's like, "Give me this water." Acts chapter, uh, John chapter 7, verse 37, 38. Jesus stands up at the festival, and on the last and greatest day of the festival, he stood and said in a loud voice, "Let anyone who is thirsty come to me and drink." Pretty sure he's not carrying around a bunch of uh, water bottles with him, right? Like, hey, I know you're all thirsty. We're providing some water. Like, He says, come to me. He's talking, again, about a spiritual reality. Whoever believes in me, as Scripture has said, rivers of living water will flow from within them. I don't know if that can... So, in that particular portion of Scripture, Jesus is quoting... Two portions of the prophet Isaiah. One of them we've already read, the Isaiah fifty-five verse one. Come, all who are thirsty, uh, come to the waters, and you who have no money, buy. Come. He's he's um, quoting the prophet Isaiah. Come to me, all who are thirsty, and it would have been uh, for the for the Jewish Israelite person who had to be well versed with the scriptures they would have known exactly what he was, he was saying. Kind of like most of you are with certain movies, right? You can say one line in a movie and you know, oh, that's that movie. Like, it was the same with the scriptures for the Israelites. The other part, he quotes Isaiah 58, verse 11. It says this, The Lord will guide you always. He will satisfy your needs in a sun-scorched land and will strengthen your frame you will be a well-watered garden, like a spring whose waters never fail. This is that out of you will come springs of living water. He's quoting here, uh, referencing Isaiah fifty-eight, eleven. So, all of this to say, what is going on here? Jesus says that he is the water to your soul. Which is a crazy claim, if he's just an ordinary person or if he's just a good moral teacher. Only God can make that claim. Right? So, wherever you are in your life, if you ever hear the argument that Jesus was a good moral teacher, he was just a man, a man, um, C.S. Lewis' argument stands in this case. He's either a lunatic, a liar, or he really is Lord. Because no person can claim that I am personally the refreshment that you need for your soul. If I ever stood up and taught that uh, I would either have a lot of crazy people as part of my congregation or I would have nobody here in the congregation, right? Because you guys would be like, that's just not normal, right? But Jesus said that about himself. That he is the water to your soul. Uh, That what we need is found in Him. That our source of everlasting spiritual life is found in Jesus Christ. This is what He's so He's building on this understanding of what we know about natural water, Old Testament teaching uh, about uh, the the comparison between as water is uh, for life, that that God is for spiritual and eternal life. Jesus is saying, "I'm God." I'm that person. Come to me and find rest for your soul. Find the the uh, life-giving part that you need to live is found in me. Interesting point. Uh, If some of you struggle with doctrine of Trinity, this doesn't capture it all, but it's interesting to me that water exists in three forms. Solid, liquid, and gas, yet is still water and is, is needed for the very Life to exist that God exists in three persons, father, Son and Holy Spirit, yet is still God um, it doesn 't answer all the theological questions, but it begins to give you an understanding of how can God exist three ways um, Look at water and the analogy that just as water is to your natural life that God is for everlasting and spiritual life so it 's just an interesting it 's an interesting point so. We've made this connection that just as water is to your natural life God is to your eternal spiritual life. Uh, You need it. And if you don't have God in your life and close to you um, you will become dehydrated spiritually uh, and eventually will lead to a spiritual uh, permanent death. You will not have eternal life. And and I, I will argue that just as uh, water doesn't um, water doesn't pick, uh, like God is not going to choose to be close to you and not to you. In fact, Revelation, which we're going to read in a minute, said we'll, we'll wait. Get there. Hold on. So, what do we need to do? What's our response to what we know this morning? That if God is so necessary for my eternal and spiritual life, what do I do? Well, Revelation chapter 22, verse 17, which, by the way, is like the last paragraph of the Bible, says this, And the Spirit and the Bride say, Come. Hmm, interesting theme. And let the one who hears say, Come. Let the one who is thirsty Come, and let the one who wishes take the free gift of the water of life. So it's this invitation that all who, who are thirsty, all who hear, come and drink of this water. So our first response is, come and drink freely. Through the, the death, burial, and resurrection of, of Jesus Christ, uh, this water that, to your soul, which is Jesus Christ, is offered Freely. You don't have to buy it. You don't have to earn it. Which is the fulfillment of the prophecy in Isaiah chapter 55, verse 1. Where Isaiah says, come, drink, buy. If you have no gold, you have no, just come and drink. God is so good that way. He builds within us the need for water, draws the comparison for our need for uh, spiritual in him, Prophesies seven hundred years before Jesus walks the earth, that Jesus then stands up and fulfills it, and then in Revelation at the end of time says, "Come!" Like it's just all ties together. I don't think any single person or group of people could pull that off over thousands of years period of time. It's just it's amazing how God can offer the beginning, the middle, and the end of all things. First thing we need to do is come to Jesus and just recognize you're my source. If I want spiritual and eternal life, it's only through Jesus Christ. So I have to come and drink freely. And we drink by receiving from Jesus this free gift of forgiveness for our sins and enjoy a restored relationship with him. Because it's it's Adam and Eve's sin at the beginning that separated the human race from the water source. For our soul. And now we have this restored, the, the, the barrier has been removed, the, the water is now there available to drink from, and so we accept that forgiveness, and we, we, we drink freely. We, we approach Jesus and enjoy our restored relationship. We begin to explore and to discover and engage with him, and because it's free, it's offered to us, he paid the price, and we can do it. Second thing we need to do, John chapter 15, verse 5, says this. Jesus said, I am the vine, you're the branches. If you remain in me and I in you, you will bear much fruit. For apart from me, you can do nothing. I think that's, again, another natural understanding, that if we break a branch off of a tree or a vine and we throw it on the ground, the leaves are going to wither, it's going to fall off, it's certainly not going to bear any fruit, and it's going to die. He says, if you remain in me, you'll bear much fruit. So what, are we, what is he saying here? He's saying this, that we need to continually drink, which means we need to stay close to Jesus for our spiritual health and vitality, for fruit to, to grow well, how do we stay close to Jesus? Well, part of what you're doing today. We, we stay close to Jesus through worship. Um, worship is more than singing songs. We pick the songs because the lyrics in them hopefully resonate with how you feel and how you want to proclaim towards, towards the Lord. So we worship. We pray. We read our Bible. We reflect on what we're reading. And we seek being transformed into the image of Jesus. We actively say, I want to be more like him. So if this isn't like him, I'm going to remove that from my life and I'm going to add this to my life because I want to be more like Jesus. And it's just a lifestyle of worship, of prayer, of reading our Bible, of gathering and being more like Jesus. And that's how we stay close to Jesus. Now, Believe it or not, uh, there are symptoms of spiritual dehydration that I want to submit to you today. Because sometimes uh, I'm not a really good dis- being disciplined at drinking water. You know? It's uh, when I'm hiking, and um, I get m- muscle cramps, and I'm like, "Oh, I didn't drink enough water." So I pause, I start drinking water, or I get, start getting a headache, or when I go to the bathroom, I notice, "Wow." Have a really dark yellow, you know, just there are symptoms, right, that alert us, like, hey, stupid, drink water, like, that's how I interpret my own symptoms, um, you don't have to call yourself stupid, and I'm not calling you stupid, but, but I'm allowed to call myself stupid when I've done stupid things, <laughs> so um, symptoms of spiritual dehydration, we just saw Jesus say, if you abide in me you'll bear much fruit. Right? So in Galatians chapter 5, verses 22 through 23, we see the fruit of the Spirit. But the Holy Spirit produces this kind of fruit. This is the New Living Translation. I just love the way it reads and articulates. The fruit of the Spirit, uh, but the Holy Spirit produces this kind of fruit in our lives. Love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, self-control. Those are fruit of the Spirit. That, those are fruit. What does that mean? That means when we are pursuing uh, a uh, restored relationship with Christ and we're drinking freely and we're living close to Jesus, these things begin to grow in our lives, right? Hopefully, you're allowing Him to transform you so that you, you love more, so you have more joy, there's more peace in your life. You're a little more patient, a little more kind. Right? These things begin to grow in our lives. Sign of spiritual dehydration. When these things are decreasing in your life. I'm not saying you have to do these things perfectly because we're all growing. We're all, move, we're all in different places moving towards these things. And, but if you find in your life like, man, I am a whole lot less patient than I used to be. I am a whole lot less gentle than I used to be. I have zero self-control anymore where I used to. These are indicators that there's some spiritual dehydration happening. They're, they should alert you, like, "Hey, stupid! You haven't read the Bible. You haven't worshipped God in a while. You haven't been around. You're not pursuing this. You're, you're, you know, you're doing things that are drifting away. Start." Getting closer. They're just earmarks. They're not, they're not like, hey, uh, get down here, repent, bad you, any of those. Kind, they're earmarks. Like, I don't feel guilty I don't, when I don't drink enough water. I just start drinking water again. Yes. Amen. I don't beat myself up and say, oh, my word, Steve, I can't be you're such a bad person for not drinking that glass of water after dinner. No, I recognize I have some symptoms, I drink some water, I I get back restored to where I should be. And it's the same thing with with God. You are a child of God. We sang that this morning. So when you see these symptoms in your life of decreasing fruit, it's just an indicator. It doesn't mean you're not a child of God anymore. It just means you're suffering spiritual dehydration. It's an indicator for you, like, hey, uh, something's off. I need to move forward. And I would articulate, too, because love is one of these. If you read 1 Corinthians 13, the the, the descriptor of love, love is patient, love is kind, um, it's not jealous, boastful, proud, or rude, it doesn't demand its own way, it's not irritable, it keeps no record of being wronged, it doesn't rejoice about injustice, but rejoices whenever the truth wins. Love never gives up, never loses faith, is always hopeful, endures through every... Circumstance. Now you look at that list. And you go, I am not all of those things, and I'm not saying you need to be. I'm just saying you know where you were, and if you see these things in your life decreasing instead of increasing, it should be an indicator. Hey, a little spiritual dehydration going on. I, I'm, I'm not as I'm not drinking from the Lord like I should be, because God would have you be well watered. That rivers of living water flowing from you. These things are growing in your life. These are increasing, not decreasing. So what do we do? We come to Jesus initially and continually. The other thing we, we, we do is we point others to the source. So there's a personal piece of this that we personally stay close to the Lord. And then there's a, there's a community responsibility and if I have a little water source over here and nobody else has it, I'm like, ha, 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 it's all mine. Like, it's not, It's just not right, right? You, especially if people are dying. People have been without water for three or four days, but you're like, I have my little source, I don't care about them, it's all me. Like, no, we share, we point people to the water source, like, hey, hey, there's, there's life over there. And, and that's just part one of our responsibilities, and when we hike, uh, I carry on my phone a couple of apps. I'm going to share what they look like to you. This one is AWOL's Guide. And there's a lot going on here, I know. Uh, I could talk a lot about this, but left, left-hand columns are, depending on which end of the trail you're hiking from, is how many miles you have to go. So this is actually, if you look a few lines down this piece of the app is from Mount Washington here in New, Ham- in New Hampshire, and it shows the line from Mount Washington, 30, 332.9 or 1859.1, so it would be 1,859 miles to Springer Mountain in Georgia, or 332.9 miles to Mount Katahdin in Maine, if you're standing on Mount Washington. That's what, how that reads. Mount Washington, you look over. And it says, it's a great place to take a picture. There's a little picture lens, a page number for more information, and the elevation of 6,288 feet. That's how you read that. But what I want to point out is, if you look at the top, where it says Lake of the Clouds huts, there's a little moon, which means you can sleep there. Oh, no, I'm sorry, there's a bathroom there. And a water, and a water droplet. That tells me there's water at Lake of the Clouds hut. And then if you go all the way down to the bottom, um, Edmonds, Coal, Gulfside Spring, there's a droplet there. There's a water source there. So when I'm up at Lake of the Clouds, 334.4 miles, I know that if I'm going that direction, I'm not going to find water until 329.2. So I can plan, like, I have to carry this much water to get me there. But it's telling me where the water sources are. Somebody was brilliant enough and nice enough to think about other hikers and say, hey, every time there's a water source, I'm going to mark this down and I'm going to put it in a book so other hikers can know where the water sources are. And then there's another app called Guthook. Um, That's what this one looks like. And it's a bit like um, Google Maps, that when you're hiking, if it's turned on, you'll be a little blue dot moving along the trail. And you can see the little blue with the water dots telling you, hey, those are water sources So you can plan, where's the next water source? This one actually has the ability, if I get there and the water source is dried up, I can make a comment, hey, February 20th showed up, water source is dried up. So anybody else can read that ahead of time and go, ooh, glad I knew that one. Um, Because there's nothing worse than being thirsty and showing up and there's no water, right? You're just so looking forward to it, and you stumble around the corner you're like, oh, I'm just looking for this little <gasps> dried-up stream. Like, disheartening. Anyway, so these are things we do for hiking community. My point in showing you is this, that this is our responsibility spiritually. We know where the sources is, where we find rest and nourishment for our souls. And it's just our responsibility to point people to where that's at, Okay? With that being said, let me, two, two caveats, okay? Nobody believes a dehydrated hiker. So if I'm hiking down the trail, hikers come this way and say, hey, where's the next water source? And he's like, oh man, it's like 500 yards back, but he's dehydrated? I don't believe him. Because why didn't you drink and get rehydrated? His 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 direction to me means nothing because his condition tells me he himself didn't drink, or she, or whoever. My point is this: uh, you can point people to the spiritual source, but if you're not drinking and you're you're exhibiting signs of spiritual dehydration, most people are not going to believe you. Doesn't mean you're not a Christian anymore doesn't mean God to hate you you're just not going to be effective in pointing people to the source because you yourself are depleted so the question is well then why aren't you there why aren't you drinking why aren't you replenishing yourself it's important for us to drink from the well deeply before we start pointing other people to where the source is now you can say hey I'm on my way come with me I know where it is that's different second caveat is this a good reminder Uh, we've heard the whole saying you can lead a horse to water but you can't make it drink right you can't make people drink from the source there's another side to this too you can't make people thirsty that's the holy spirit's job so sometimes we think that we have to beat people over the head and make them discover that they're thirsty and they need the Lord. And, and it doesn't work. You just make angry people. Our, our role as Christians is to point to the source and personally drink from the source. It's not to force people to drink, nor is it to force people to realize uh, that they need it. That's the Holy Spirit's job. So you may comment and say, "Hey, uh, hey, man! When I was my soul was, uh, you know, all churned up, and Jesus was that for me. Like, oh, that's cool for man. You do you. Like, okay. Like, walk on. Like, to sit there and browbeat people to make them see things is is not is not what God is asking you to do. God is asking you to be a good steward. Point people to the well, which is Him." just just make let them know it's there that he's there hey this is what jesus this is who he is at some point when your soul is restless at some point when you're if you ever feel empty in your life like that's that's where you run to that's where you go that's our role so our job as believers in christ Is to drink freely from the well ourselves so that we are we are spiritually refreshed, that we are we are spiritually producing fruit, that we have an eternal life in store ahead of us, and it's to point other people to that source. Question to end end this morning is this Is anyone feeling thirsty today? times we go through some really long, dry seasons and we're just thirsty. We say, God, I, I my soul is a little dry. I've got some symptoms here, um, Lord, of irritability. I'm not patient anymore. I'm filling the blank, whatever the my fruit is decreasing, my love is decreasing. And maybe it's just mild, or maybe it's severe. But either way, the answer is what Jesus said. He stood up and he said, Come to me, all who are thirsty. And I will. It's not a, hey, if I feel like it, I'll replenish you. It's a promise. so this morning I just want to take a few moments because I know that when we walk out this door um, life could hit us in the face right you look at your phone there's a text you have to answer then somebody calls and you're driving and this happens next thing you know you get home you might even before you get home you're already yelling at your kids or fighting with your spouse or right like just stuff happens It's, it's, it's life and this moment could just be plucked away so we're going to take just a couple of moments. I'll look at the watch for you. It's five after 11. We've only been at this for an hour, and five minutes. Okay, be free. Let's take the next five-ish minutes and come to Jesus. If you've never uh, come to Jesus, like initially, like this is all new to you, I just encourage you to do what Chris is doing, find a spot around here where you're not free from distractions, the person next to you, or if you're able to right where you are, um, that's fine. It's not. uh, The place is less important than the attitude of the heart. And just say, Lord, my soul is dry and thirsty. And I've never done this before. But I'm asking you to come into my life you said, come, I'm coming. Would you come and, and live and be with me? For those who have already uh, uh, initially come to Jesus, its it's no, you guys know? He's right there. You don't have to do penance. You don't have to beat yourself up because it's been a while since you talked to Jesus. He's kind of like Kinda of like your parent, well, like my parents. Anyway. When I call my mom, she's just like ecstatic that I'm calling. It doesn't matter if it's been like three hours since I talked to her last, or three weeks since I talked to her last. She's just excited I called. She's just kinda of like that. You just, just, just come to him. You don't have to. You don't have this bowing and you know all this stuff you have to go through before he accepts you back. You just come to him. Sean's going to play lightly in the background. I just encourage you to pray, to worship him, to share your heart with him. Just say, Lord, I need you. My soul just feels dry lately. Transform me. Just refresh me, Lord. We'll give it a few minutes and I'll come back and lead us in prayer and and lead us home. Our thirst is you. So, Lord, we take you at your word. We believe, we have faith, and that you said, Come, all who are thirsty, and drink freely. to refresh our souls. Lord, would you just pour yourself out? Would you saturate our heart, our soul with all of you? Thank you, Lord, that you have broken down the wall between us and you so that we could come freely without guilt, without condemnation, without acts of penance, that we can actually live planted by streams water that we can live in a place where you just are constantly replenishing and that we're bearing fruit that we're growing and being in your image thank you Lord for your just your refreshing move in our hearts and in our spirits today that as we leave this place in this moment that we would carry it with us that we would know that we can do this on our own we can do this at our, in our home we can do this at our, on our lunch break at work we can, we can walk with you and, and have you uh, close to us because Lord you're in us May the work that you're doing in us and the replenishment that's happening today may it continue in our life day by day as we rehydrate spiritually, as we become people who are, like Isaiah 58, says, well-watered gardens that are overflowing to others around us. And Lord, as we become rehydrated ourselves, may we point people to the source. May remember that it's not our, not our job to make them drink or even make them thirsty, but just to point them. Say, hey, this is where I have found my refreshment. This is where my soul is at rest. This is where my soul is flourishing. It's in the Lord God, my Savior, Creator, and Sustainer. Lord, I thank you for the work that you're doing in us and through us as a community of believers. I pray, Lord, for your spirit to continue to be with us and strengthen us. Transform us, Lord, into your image, we ask. Your precious and holy name.